0: Malcolm Honline as Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update, and this week joins us for the weekly update from the Holy City of Jerusalem. Mr. homeline welcome back to JM in the AM.
1: Thank you. It's good to talk to you, and especially from sunny, warm, beautiful Yerushalayim. Uh, yesterday, I think Tel Aviv, was 70 or certainly 60, high 60s. And here in Yerushalayim today, it's really beautiful. Yeah, I can imagine. So you're, uh, I don't want to rub it in, but you did say two, right? Windchill factor is two yeah. degrees.
0: So you're suggesting if I was so in... So
1: if anybody would need to reason for Aliyah, you just got it.
0: So you're suggesting that if I was in Jerusalem, I likely would not be suffering with this uh, sore throat and all the assorted stuff.
1: You wouldn't be suffering at all.
0: My gosh, why didn't I think of taking a trip? How co- how come Malcolm always thinks of the good ideas? I wonder. Uh, there's so and, much and
1: work twenty four hours around the clock here.
0: That's right, but in that weather, who's uh, who minds? Uh, are you feeling the election atmosphere? Are you feeling the um, the heightened sense of uh, of circus like conditions that usually accompany the weeks before an Israeli election?
1: Uh, yes and no. Yes, there is the hype, and, and now it's played out in the cute and funny or not-so-funny ads that people are taking out. Uh, but I feel a much more greater sense of resignation, uh, uncertainty. People, um, aside from those who have a hard commitment to a particular party, which is, is not many, for left and right, that it, it, there's a lot of vacillation. I don't think anybody's excited about this election in the sense that they feel that, 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 that there will be a massive change coming. Um, I think a lot of people would welcome the fact that there will be stability. Uh, so right now, the latest polls, I think, show the Likud, could, uh, one could say, surging in a way ahead. I think there are four seats now ahead of Labour when about a week or two ago they were behind. And they evened up, and now, according to the polls I saw this morning,
0: uh, they
1: are ahead. So it's, it's and, and the votes come from different parties, and they, they go up and down a couple votes, and they will do so for the next month.
0: You know, I had this discussion with Mayor Weingarten during our Tubishvat special. Do you agree or disagree that some of these commercial spots would never be done? by major candidates in the United States. I know there's a lot of outrageous behavior before elections, especially with the talk shows, etc. They go on, do certain things. But I don't know. I'm not as into these television ads that I keep watching from Israel like some other people are.
1: I am not either. I don't know. I mean, Israelis have reacted to them. Uh, to my surprise, people, who I respect, uh, were reacting to them much more strongly. But as entertainment, I don't know if they make the political link and that may be the clever part is that you want the message to be subliminal so you know that i don't know how people in the end react you know there's the babysitter ad and some yeah. of the others that
0: um you know how you say you babysitter know, in Hebrew, Malcolm? the
1: campaigns here it can get pretty vicious this one is you have a lot of charges accusations there's pending charges against uh, Mrs. Netanyahu and Mr. Netanyahu, and they're charged against so many others. You know, it gets very dirty, down and dirty in these uh, elections. Is
0: there any? Is there a kingmaker emerging? Is there anybody from yeah. a from a minor party or somebody from the religious parties that people are looking toward as major candidates? You know that they that they must have them on their side at this point, or that doesn't exist yet in this campaign.
1: I don't think it exists at all. I don't think that there's anybody who rallies people to, to, you know, great excitement. You have new parties, Cajalon, and you see how quickly the enthusiasm dissipates. Uh, People don't like what they select for the tickets. People don't like or don't feel that they're strong enough in their positioning. Uh, I I don't see anyone that fits the description you're saying. You know, they've had Netanyahu for a long time. So there's always a fatigue when you have uh, somebody who serves for already two terms and served before. Um, But, you know, the average Israeli government only lasts two and a half years so they don't even have time to get tired of them.
0: And uh, do you think this whole issue of a relationship with the White House, a relationship with the leader of the free world, is going to be a major issue in this campaign? Is it becoming one yet at this point, as the tension between Obama and BB seems to continue to escalate?
1: Yeah, and it's far from over, and we can talk about that, but I think uh, it is not as big a factor here uh, because... President Obama's uh, popularity in Israel is pretty low. The, you don't have the backlash. There is concern. People who are thoughtful are concerned about what does this mean, and I'm asked all the time, you know, how will this affect it. And, you know, when members of Congress are coming out with the kind of statements they are, it uh, you know, that people are concerned. People who know this, the, the issues in the relationship are concerned. Yeah, I wouldn't say that the average man in the street is concerned.
0: You know, you were asked about this whole topic on Israeli television this week. And, you know, in the old days, um, you knew that Israeli television essentially was only being watched by Israelis. Obviously, today we're in a much different era. Do you think you handled it differently today than you might have 15, 20 years ago, knowing that you're really speaking to the whole world now and you're addressing questions on Israel TV?
1: I honestly don't even think about it. I, I answer based on what... Uh, I wanted to say not necessarily even what they asked, and my message was that we have to get beyond this pettiness, and we have to, the people here also have to think about the consequences of, you know, the charges, the counter charges, the attacks, because, you know, the election will be over one way or another in a month, but you can have a residual impact. And and it's true in terms of U.S. Israel relationship, and I said that it's not... Dependent upon, you know, one incident like this, this hurts. There is a lot of uh, bad feelings, I think, now on all sides. And I hope that there can be a resolution that will be uh, an amicable one that that both sides can live with. I think they're all looking at that now. Nobody wants to see there's a continued tension. Um, I mean, there are people who who will exploit it for political purposes here or there. Uh, We've had members of Congress making statements about not attending or... You know sitting on their hands when they go yeah so uh, that again i think that will go through various changes i think sometimes people are pressured into those kind of comments others are pressured into other comments so my answers on the television and uh, everybody who would ask me is i, I can't say what the prime minister is going to do and i can't say what the president is going to do what i do know is that we have to get past this. We are facing an enemy who poses an existential danger to both countries, and they are sitting there lapping this up. But I can tell you that in Arab countries, and I spoke to some key people from Arab countries in the last couple of days and, and uh, before I came here, and they're very concerned about it. Because for them, the United Front is really critical uh, weeks before the deadline for the negotiations, when we are facing serious charges, and when... Uh, challenges uh, vis-a-vis Iran when we need a united front, I don't want to see this undermine the support that we've seen in Congress and House and, and Senate that this be politicized that Israel become a partisan issue these would all be terrible developments And uh, so my answers were geared towards that
0: yeah, understood, Malcolm Homeline is live in Jerusalem as the weekly update continues here at JM in the AM so uh, a lot of things happened this week, you know, finally Jordan was the country to start speaking ISIS's language. And I hate to put it that way, but sometimes uh, that's the best way to put it. Uh, ISIS went ahead, and you know what happened. uh, a, a, A very high professional video taken of one of the most brutal murders we've seen in recent years. Uh, something frankly that that our people could relate to in a way, but uh, just so brutal and hard to believe, and, and that video has been shown and, and is available in many different media sources in its entirety. Some of course banned it or altered it, but uh, or, or you know made changes uh, so that the entire thing wouldn 't be seen, but in many cases, you could see the entire thing. Jordan went ahead in response to the murder of this Jordanian pilot by ISIS and executed two prisoners. Did anybody of any significance come out against what Jordan did, or essentially the free world is completely understanding that this was their reaction?
1: Uh, I think the latter is true, but it wasn't just the uh, executions which took place almost immediately afterwards, and one of them was uh, the prisoner, uh, the uh, attempted suicide bomber who, who uh, was captured by Jordan and has been held there for a long time and uh, was, uh, was requested by ISIS as part of a trade. Right. The Jordanians, I think, knew that, uh, that the pilot, Kas- Sasaba had already been killed, and I think they were kept pressing them and negotiated in good faith, but said, show us that he's alive, let us see. We're ready to negotiate, but you've got to give us proof. And the, I think King Abdullah showed the world... Including America and including Europe, how you have to deal with it. He w- didn't just kill these two people who who were facing death sentences. He went out and he bombed ISIS locations. Right. His jets were in the air, and he didn't apologize and he didn't ask permission. He did what he had to do to send a message that Jordan wouldn't capitulate. And for Jordan, this is very critical because they have very delicate balances within the country. Mm-hmm so the uh i think that the action and and the question is we still don't know how this is all going to play in jordan because the tribe from which this pilot came which is a very large one and significant uh, people we saw demonstrations in, in the streets of their villages and towns not against the united states not against israel but against isis however the brutality that you described of this immolation this this horrific act um Uh, May move a lot of people to say get out. We see it in Iraq. We see it in other places where we're ready that reaction. They're going to urge Jordan not to participate. Obviously, the king right now is not going to do that. And you could see the crowds in Raqqa, which I discussed before in Syria, the place where ISIS controls, which ISIS controls and where they have training camps for foreign terrorists. Uh, uh, There were cheering crowds in the streets as they broadcast that video the execution scene uh, in the streets in large screens so that you see how how per- perverse the ISIS society is the, the members that can't say that they're not followers or they're not associated with it they right. didn't carry out the act which they're supporting
0: it. which leads to my next question uh, uh, you may have just answered it frankly uh, I talk about Jordan, you know, finally speaking ISIS's language. Does ISIS care? They go ahead, they, they they commit this murder and other beheadings this week, as we know, since the last time we spoke. Uh, do, do they care? Do they care that anybody that they had semi-concern about are in fact, uh, you know, executed publicly?
1: They do not, they don't even not care, they welcome. Not the bombing, but the reaction. They want it to be horrific. What, what group would think that beheadings and 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 the these um, this kind of I mean it's hard even I couldn't watch it uh, the, the burning of this guy alive would would be something that they would want to publicize at least try to hide your crimes your shame they advertise it because it's become a great recruiting tool right no that you I see how people respond to it and they don't care the more criticism right. the best that I, they want to rally
0: that I understand do they care that those two are then being executed. Because of of their actions, in murdering the Jordanian pilot, do they? You know, you you they don't sh- care about human life. They don't value
1: any of these. Right. So, so they so, killed so many of their own, so then is there, there were three a- Chinese guys this week killed ISIS members because they try to leave for home?
0: Right. So the question is, it, what what's the value then of Jordan going ahead and, and executing them?
1: Because it shows the world that he's going to stand up to it. It says to the people who might other, who might affiliate and who might support uh... In, both in jordan because you have isis in jordan just as you saw they caught isis members in the west bank Um it, it's it's it isis continues to grow that since they uh... started these uh, the executions or or uh... Um, they had more than four thousand new recruits and they're getting recruits from north africa three thousand from tunisia two thousand from morocco from and then thousands from from uh... europe which is the new a new population But they killed people all over, 48 executions in Iraq, 50, in Syria, in just the month of January. So it shows you their attitude and that this intimidation silences any potential opposition, right? They don't care what the West thinks of them. Right, because they're sending a message so that when they face an opposition, when they march into a village, everybody runs because they say these brutal guys are going to cut off our heads.
0: So, for those of us who were hoping that the Jordan executions would lead ISIS leaders to say, "Okay, guys, you know, hang on a minute, we better we, now now we have somebody who's ready to stand up to us," it, it doesn't matter. That was not their reaction. They couldn't care less.
1: I, I wouldn't say in all aspects it doesn't matter because one of them, that woman, had some connection the leaders of ISIS, and when they kill people who are in the leadership or, you know, close family relatives, it, it of course, it matters to some of the leadership, but to the, the ideology of ISIS, as it has emerged, welcomes this and, and is, is is never going to be deterred by, uh, by the executions. But there are other audiences that have to see it. You know, the Russians, when Hezbollah started killing their people in Lebanon at the time, You know, they caught some of the Hezbollah guys and sent parts of their anatomy back home. Right. All of a sudden, the kidnapping of Russians stopped. Right. Because the only language they understand is a language of force. And this is very regrettable. But all over the Middle East today, we are seeing the growth of Iranian influence, and that brings with it this extremism. They utilize these groups, whether it's Hezbollah or Hamas, which engage also in beheadings and which also engage in brutal, inhumane acts, you know, they, they don't necessarily make a video of uh, uh, every killing. But you remember in Gaza, with that picture, the scene of uh, 19 guys that they accused of being collaborators, and they yep. shot them in the back of the head? Yep. Why is that any better?
0: Yeah, it's all the same thing. Very hard to deal with an enemy that has no value for life.
1: Absolutely right. It's Makes it very... Absolutely ver- right. And, and it's an asymmetric war in many respects. They, they kill without any restrictions. And yet it's America that's held to account, let alone Israel, that's brought before the ICC. And the head of the Shabbos report, Professor Shabbos, has resigned, but they're going ahead with it. They pointed somebody in his place. The ICC goes ahead uh, with its process. And yet the real murderers, the people who are violating human rights, the Hamas, Hezbollah, Iranians, others, just walk.
0: Malcolm, Homelines in Jerusalem. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored. WFMU East Orange, WMFU, Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9, on the FM Dial Broadcasting Live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, org. Special welcome to those tuned in on the NSN app. You can comment on that app and toss in a comment whenever you wish. Yeah, I apologize for reading, but just give me a chance to go through these couple of paragraphs because if there's one item that it seems uh, our, our listeners are demanding for you to analyze for us this week, it's this one. At the National Prayer Breakfast, President Obama reminded attendees that violence rooted in religion is not exclusive to Islam. But has been carried out by Christians as well. Obama said that even though a religion, even though religion is a source of good around the world, there'll always be people willing to quote hijack religion for their own murderous ends. Quote: Unless we get on our high horse and think this is unique to some other place, remember that during the Crusades and the Inquisition, people committed terrible deeds in the name of Christ. In our home country, slavery and Jim Crow all too often was justified in the name of Christ. Obama also denounced Islamic state terrorists for professing to stand up for Islam when they were actually, quote-unquote, betraying it. Quote, we see ISIL, a brutal, vicious death cult that in the name of religion carries out unspeakable acts of barbarism. He said, criticizing them for claiming the mantle of religious authority for such action. Seems a lot of people were outraged by the comparison to the Crusades uh, in terms of uh, ISIL uh, in today's modern era. What's your reaction to President Obama's statement?
1: Well, I understand the outrage and why people feel that today when Christians are being killed in the thousands, maybe tens of thousands by Muslims, and the unwillingness generally of the administration of European governments and others to name those responsible, to, to isolate those who are responsible, because it's not every Muslim, or, and Muslims are often the first victims of, of the Islamist terrorist groups, But a community that refuses to denounce it, and if leaders refuse, to name the name and and shame them and isolate them and eliminate them. Mm -hmm. And if you don't say who it is and, and who's doing it, and to draw analogies, it is true clearly that people have died in the name of religion in many places, and that it still continues today. But you don't have terrorist organizations going around in, in Nigeria or in other places executing uh, children. Uh, I just saw a report that the, the Human rights, uh, the, the rights of Children Committee of the United Nations, they talk about cases of, of mass executions, crucifixions, and uh, beheading of children in Iraq and burying them alive. We, what other group is doing this? Day? There are crazy people of every religion. There are but this is organized. You don't have the kind of uh, infrastructure that you have today under the name and the guise of radical Islam, Islamists. And we don't say Islam; we say Islamists to make the distinction. But to understand that Muslims have to denounce it, that the uh, religious leadership have to be held to account and, and say where they stand, and to, to, to somehow try to you know, uh, minimize it or, or denigrate the unique the nature of the danger, I think it's to, is to, is to hurt the effort to confront it. There is a lack of willingness. Why, why do we not hear the kind of condemnation that so readily we hear about Israel, let alone others, uh, of, of uh, Azerbaijan, of, uh, of President Sisi? Look at all the criticism, but not Erdogan. A fundamentalist who's put all the journalists in jail, the generals in jail, has eliminated rights, and yet you don't hear the condemnation of him, and he remains in NATO. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And the, the fact that we're still negotiating, and this weekend there will be another round of negotiations with Iran. You hear reports of proposed deals, which certainly do not meet what, we, what was expected. They continue their ballistic missile development, the centrifuges, and undermining regime after regime. You know, the Khamenei said I can, that Sunnis, the Shiites control for the first time in history four Arab capitals, but they're active in many other Arab capitals, many African capitals, many South American, and globally. This is this is not you know a regime where we can sit down and have tea and say, well, like we did with Havana, we can do it with Tehran. No, and the idea that somehow if we reach a deal, even if it's not what we would call what they would call a good deal, that you will buy peace or some uh, some kind of cooperation and, and minimization of violence in Syria and Iraq and other places, what you're going to buy is a century of conflict. You're going to see a nuclear arms race if it's not a deal. And, and every one country in the region is preparing for it. They're scared. And, and you know, leaks come from the Europeans about 6,500 centrifuges, other kinds of things. Uh, we're told that it's not true and that they're not close to it. And they're talking about a breakout time of six months, of two months. Um, the stockpiling uh, of, uh, of uh, enriched uranium at 5% is enough to produce four nuclear weapons. So we're, we're at a very critical stage, and to, we have to be willing to isolate those who engage in these horrific acts, to, to cut them off, cut off those who support and abet them, and not obfuscate it.
0: And the reality is that every country, you could list every Middle Eastern country, they're all on that list of those who fear Iran, right? Even those who...
1: Assent- everyone, everyone, including Lebanon, including right. the Syrians. My point you know,
0: exactly, including those people, per- including those perceived to be their allies.
1: Because it's only partial. It's it's those who benefit in whose right. interest. Look how Sisi has stood up to the... To the challenges so when you, you mentioned King uh, Abdullah, right. uh, he has to he's cracked down against them in in the Sinai. Some people are critical, you know, that he's destroying houses along the border, but his people are dying otherwise. And the uh, you know they, they found the tunnels, more tunnels now, longer tunnels, two thousand uh, two thousand meter tunnels uh, from the Sinai into Egypt, uh, Gaza into Egypt. Uh, he's addressing it. And he's he's trying to take the steps that are necessary. Nobody says there are violations of human rights and tries to ignore the realities. But you got to look at the context in each country in which these things are happening.
0: You know, is Caroline-
1: rebuilding its forces, weapons, advanced and more and more advanced weapons. They're not putting the cement to the building of the houses. Right. So they criticize Israel that they that there isn't reconstruction, but Israel sends in. Six hundred trucks a day, and it goes into to building again the the military infrastructure.
0: Yeah, and this is an old story. People shouldn't t- be taken by surprise. You've been talking about this for years already. Uh, but Caroline Glick echoes what you've been telling us about Israel's relationship with Egypt. I mean, to the extent where she may she may actually believe at this point that Egypt's more of an important ally for Israel than the United States is. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Uh, but it, but you
1: know, the United States remains, you know, a great power. Look at all the things that we do with them, the weapons, exchange intelligence, military. At the United Nations, Egypt does not stand with us. The United States generally stands with Israel. I mean, it's too simplistic, but I do think she's right that in a strategic sense, Egypt's role right. has proven really critical that if you had more today, God forbid, in power, think of what the Sinai would look like, what Gaza would look like, what the threats against Israel would be.
0: Yeah, no question about that. Um you, we asked you earlier. I, I mentioned earlier about your comments on Israeli television, and one of the things that uh, you, we, you were asked about was the was the efforts by certain people in the United States to influence the election in Israel. Uh, are you getting the feeling that um, that in fact there's? I mean, we discussed this last week. I, I don't know what you've been able to discover there while you're there, but is there undue influence? Is there an unfair? Um, participation among American groups in the Israeli election at this point.
1: I, I do think that there are uh, that it is destructive to democracy when you have people who are not, you know, affected by the results and who can make decisions just based on their own personal predilections or views and don't think, and don't have to deal with the consequences of a vote. And that's why I think when people go into the voting booth, you know, they, they don't want to waste their vote. They want to think about it. And, and I don't believe that the impact uh, of the foreign influences is perhaps determinant, but it is a factor. In it. And it's true on all sides. This is not a, a partisan comment. It's something I've said for many years. I think it's a mistake for American Jews to, to they can express views. They can, you know, certainly wish for a certain people, but to interfere in the process I think it is a mistake, and I think when Israelis interfere in American political processes, it's a mistake.
0: All right. The question is: Are you getting the feeling that it's really happening? And I, I, we understand you're, you know, you're philosophically against it. A lot of people are, but you know, practically on the ground, is the machination in place right now where there's great American influence on this election?
1: I wouldn't say that. I would say that you know, the reports that people have made contributions, some <clears throat> are funding. Reports of uh, the funding of, uh, let's say, negative campaigns as we describe them, and then in America, independent campaigns against a candidate. Uh, I do think that those, that, that, that has happened. I I don't think, and I haven't been able to gauge that any indication that it is decisive. As I said, I think people are, are unsure how they want to vote, are examining all of this uh, very carefully, and may not really be able to make a determination until they go in the booth and and finally decide.
0: Right, yeah. Seems to be that type of election. All right, the speech. Last week you said 70% chance it'll take place. I'm referring, of course, to BB in front of the Joint Session of Congress. Uh, Whether it takes place or not, the speech itself, I don't think, is the real issue here. The issue is we can't get this out of the headlines. We can't get this controversy about how he was invited and why he was invited and whether he should have been invited and whether it's important for him to address Congress. Even if he's not welcome in Washington, you know, there are those who are saying that he has a moral obligation to give this speech, you know, forget about what, you know, how, how, and what, and who's being insulted and who's not. Some feel there's a moral obligation, Malcolm, for him to get up and give this speech vis-a-vis Iran in Washington.
1: That is true. There are people who recognize the importance of this issue of Iran, and that the Prime Minister says his state and his country faces a, a an existential threat. So does the West, I think. And that, given the opportunity to speak to the most powerful legislature in the world, an invitation extended, the process is not irrelevant. I think we can't allow Israel to become a partisan issue. We can't allow it to be uh, the the U.S.-Israel special relationship to be undermined, and congressmen and senators having to take sides. I, I hope that there will still be a resolution yeah. um, of See, some kind. You know, there's a lot of thought being given to it. A lot of good people have helped oh. me with suggestions. I am sure there's a I lot of thought. every one of them.
0: Because if this does stay in the headlines, he's going to have to pull out. Because I believe that there's going to be a perception that it could lose in the election if he quote-unquote embarrasses the President of the United States.
1: <clears throat> I don't think it will. I, I don't think here you have that perception I, and it's not debated in the same way. They're more interested in the gossip part of it, you know, who did it and right. who was responsible. And I don't know. but but as I said before, if, the, if it had been Clinton or George Bush the second, I think the reaction might have been different because the attitudes towards them were different. Uh, President Obama's popularity, as shown in the polls, is not very high. They are concerned, and there should be concerned, that the U.S. is relationship, not be damaged. And I think there's no reason here that it should, you can't let personal peak or uh, egos or other things uh, determine what happens on very vital issues which both countries need. And I think that the enemies of both are sitting back and laughing at this and enjoying it, and the friends of both countries are scratching their heads and said, what is going on? What does this mean? And I know, can tell you, and I've had calls from leaders uh, outside of uh, Israel, um, asking about it, and, and sort of you know shaking their heads, and uh, and and as you said, it, it's it's got to get out of the headlines. It's got to be resolved because people, even in America, there will be people who who want to you know instigate against Israel. Will use this and are using it in talk shows and political statements, etc.
0: Finally, in Argentina, and we've discussed the, uh, should we call it murder now? Should we call Nisman's demise a murder or not?
1: I think so, and I think the the evidence largely points to it. There's nothing conclusive yet, but I certainly think that that is a fair assumption.
0: What's interesting is the reaction in Argentina. I assume it's not just members of the Jewish community who are taking to the streets demanding justice. Am I right?
1: Uh, no, there are others, uh, many others. He was highly respected. Uh, his colleagues and others have been speaking out about it. Um, but it's it's you know the the details are still very murky what what emerged this week that was really I think extremely significant was that in the garbage of you know at his apartment, they found a twenty nine page twenty six page document. That uh, requested the arrest of Timmerman, the foreign minister, right. and I think, uh, uh, and he had drafted a, an arrest warrant for President uh, Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, the president of Argentina, and he accused her of trying to shield Iranian officials from responsibility in the bombing of the Amia center in '94. Uh, uh, the fact that he had drafted these arrest warrants, is supposedly these new revelations that came out. He chose the tension between them, and that day was the day when he was testified to testify before the Argentinian Congress about these accusations. So it's another layer of uh, of suspicions added to the uh, to what uh, existed. there were demonstrations that people in Argentina generally do not believe it was a suicide. and then his successor denied that they found it and later had a correct. Uh, the record and saying she should have said they did find uh, these documents. Is there, so, enough, is there enough? People are looking and saying, are we going to get a whitewash? Are we going to get uh, Timmerman and uh, Kirshner off the hook, or they're going to just delay it till it's no longer relevant?
0: Well, the, the, the delay might work because I don't know if this level of anger or uh, passion is going to, you know, stay the way it is in Argentina. And you know, as time goes by, things tend to, you know, drift away. Uh, the question is, can there be enough passion maintained there uh, for justice that would, uh, you know, in fact, make a difference? And I guess that's what remains to be seen.
1: That and and this is a test of Argentina, and the international community has to come in, and, and Americans have others. To put pressure on them to to take the steps necessary, many voices, courageous voices inside Argentina, have spoken up about it. But uh, many Jews, there have been threats, there have been demonstrations against the Jews, there have been assaults again in in uh, Buenos Aires and other places that uh, seems to become more and more commonplace. and And we see the subversion of justice. Look at look what happened with Shabbos. He resigns, and yet the investigation continues. They appoint somebody who came out of New York's court systems um as a replacement. They didn't shelve it. They didn't say we're gonna to have to re- disregard everything that was done till now because Shabbos it turns out had worked as a, uh, a consultant to the Palestinian Authority or to the PLO uh not long ago, not ten years ago, but two or three years ago. And the uh, you know, the the shame and the sham of, of that investigation uh which has no justification, even under their rules, under uh, uh, international court rules, and I hope that the uh, under the Human Rights Council rules, and I hope also that the ICC, International National Criminal Court, which is going ahead with its investigation of Israel, will also be brought to to heel. And there again, we need the United States to take leading. We need Europeans. We need others to voice. If they want to protect these institutions, if we want to show that the real, those really guilty will be held to account.
0: You know, Malcolm, uh, because of the reaction of Jordan, and you mentioned the airstrikes against ISIS, and, uh, we, there's a, there's a headline in today's Jerusalem Post about, uh, ISIS, uh, it says here, seen under strain in Syria, though far from collapse, which would indicate that they had a bad week, I guess. Uh, For those of us who like to see good defeat evil, is there hope here? Is there hope that the collective of countries, in fact, can defeat ISIS?
1: Could the ISIS be defeated? Yes. It takes uh, America to stand up to those who are aiding and abetting them. It means that we can't send the wrong message in Iraq, where you have uh, 50 new militias that have emerged, many of them taking uh, weapons uh, from the United States. Michael Flynn, who was the head of the... Defense Intelligence Agency just retired. He said the, uh, the members of the Bader Corps are responsible for killing many American soldiers, and they'll do it again if given the chance. You see that um, uh, the, the Hezbollah training the Badr Brigade. So while American policy is to support integration of these militias, we're in fact helping to support the creation of, of groups that, that are uh, um, integrating into the Shiite militias, yeah. which in turn sometimes support uh, are identified with uh, is and with uh, or with al-qaeda so you know that there, there isn't the clarity of message there has to be a unified front the a, iran uh, one of the great experts on the shiite uh, militias said is uh, uses iraq as a petri dish to grow new shiite shia uh, jihadist groups and w- when you see what is going on on the ground when you see the more, uh, uh, obvious and blatant role that Iran directly and the IRGC, Iran Revolutionary Guard, play with Hezbollah in the Golan, along the Golan, in Lebanon. If we, if we don't, and then of course we're going to see this in Gaza, right, and, and, and increase the efforts in, uh, in Sinai and Gaza. They graduate 15,000 young people from a one week training course run by Hamas on terrorism. And w- w- where's the outcry? Where's the world that was so concerned about Israel defending itself and what was happening in, in Gaza saying that's not what we were speaking up for? And mm. you see why Israel has to act in, in the way that it does, because look at the nature of the enemy that it faces. Many of the Arab countries are saying, no more. We're not going to tolerate it. That was what King Hussein's message. That's what CC's message It's the message you're hearing more and more.
0: Let's hope we uh, continue to uh, establish leaders who are able to carry out that message. We need it so badly. Malcolm, enjoy Jerusalem, and we'll speak Bezrat Hashem next week.
1: God willing, next week from Vienna. Vienna? Vienna.
0: I better start preparing my... We're going tri- to do a
1: Viennese waltz together. Something.
0: There you go. I'm going to start preparing my trivia questions about Vienna all through the week. <laughs> uh, there he is. Uh, have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations.